Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. I don't don't know about you, but I was thinking about it just this last week. We're actually in February. January's already come and gone. We're already well into 2019. Summer is almost over. You wouldn't, I mean, we're wearing jackets today, but it's been hot lately, but summer's nearly done. 2019 is well underway. I wonder how you're going with those New Year's resolutions. Did some of them fall off, you know, maybe week one, week two, week three? I don't know, maybe you're going strong. All power to you, that's awesome. Maybe this is uh, a year where you've set out to think, well, this year is my year. This year is going to be an amazing year. This year is going to be an incredible year. And you've got these plans and you've even journaled. Some of you have been fasting already. You know, there's all this stuff that you've listed down there. Think, wow, this is what God is going to do in my life in 2019. And you've got all these things laid out and all these plans made and everything. But you know, the thing that I've, I've learned over a few years, no matter how many plans we put in place, somehow something always happens that it almost, it's like we thought we were heading in that direction, but then something takes place and we end up looking back going, how did I actually end up here? I'm, I'm kind of like in the completely opposite place to where I thought I would actually end up. I don't, has that ever happened to you? Uh, it happens to me all the time. I have all these plans for the year and, and then I, I get into the year and then the thing that I thought was going to happen didn't actually happen and I end up being somewhere. Sometimes it's for the better and sometimes it's for the worse. But I end up being somewhere completely different that I never actually anticipated or thought about. Right now at, at Lifehouse, we're doing a series and Pastor Richard uh, launched it last week. It's called Weapons of Warfare. And last week we talked about prayer. And if you didn't hear that message, it was an amazing message. Download it, do whatever you can to listen to that message about building an intimate relationship with God. It was an incredible message. But today we're going to go, last week we talked about prayer, but today we want to talk about another weapon that God has actually given to us that will help us as we walk our way through 2019. And that weapon is called praise. Praise. And it's going to be great. This is going to be exciting. We're going to have a good time. Some of you, even when I mention the word praise, start to break into sweats because you think, okay, he's going to get us all up dancing. He's going to get us running around the room doing things that, you know, just going to make us uncomfortable and everything else. You can relax just a little bit. Just relax. I'm a fairly conservative guy by nature, so just relax. Uh, It's all right. I'm not going to get you doing anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. But we're going to talk about praise And I would like us to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 7. And we're going to read a story about Jesus and then talk a little bit about this weapon that God has given us called praise. Now, prayer is all about building that intimacy with God, but praise is what we use to invite Almighty God into every situation that we would face. So in Luke chapter 7, we find that in verse 11, it starts from here. It's going to be up on the screens there as well. Uh, Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and the large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart was overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked up over to the coffin, he touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk 
and Jesus gave him back to his mother. That's one funeral I think I would like to have been at. I've sat at, we've had funerals that we've had here in this place before when people from the community have come and used this building. And sometimes there's funerals that are got a little bit of hope in them. And sometimes you just don't know what this person or where they ended up. And, and they're just, they're so depressing. And I, I sometimes, when I'm sitting up the back there when there's a funeral going on here and, and we're just helping to make the building run and everything, and it's people that we don't really know. But I'm often wondering, I wonder what Jesus would do if he was to walk in right now and that, that person that's in that casket would just hop up. That would be an amazing funeral to be at. But this is what was happening in this case. Jesus turned up to the funeral and the guy, the young guy, came back to life again. It's kind of like a strange story to use to talk about praise. It's a very strange. There's lots of other stories in Scripture that you could use. You know, the, the classic one is Paul and Silas locked up in prison and midnight, they're there. The Bible says they're praising God and their chains fall off them and they're set free and everything. People tend to use that passage a lot, but I wanted to steer away from that when we we're talking about praise because I don't want you to get it into your head that praise is all about singing. It's not all about singing. What we do up here in the service, before the service, when the young guys are up here dancing and we're out there clapping and singing the songs, praise is a lot more than just the fast songs we sing at the beginning of a church service. It's a lot more than that. Praise is a lot more than dancing. Praise is a lot more than clapping hands and shouting. It's all of those things and they're expressions of praise, but it's not just restricted to those things. Praise isn't just doing what King David did in the Bible and stripping down to his undies and dancing around everywhere. That's an expression of praise, but that's not necessarily all that praise is. Sometimes we can get intimidated when people start talking about praise because we think we've got to step out and do something or be something that, that we're actually, we actually, it's not us naturally or normally. We think we've got to be extroverted or we think we've got to go and do stuff like that, but that's not entirely what praise is. They're expressions of praise. So I didn't want to focus on that story. I wanted to focus on this one that's here. Uh, I, I just don't want you to get confused with those things here. So that, let, let's get into this and let's have a look at it. Jesus is headed. His Bible says he's just left a place called Capernaum and he's heading to this place called Nain. And with him, he's got his disciples and he's got a large following of people that are walking with him. And it's kind of like this procession and they're heading up towards Nain. Now, Nain is like, uh, it's kind of one of those out of the way places that you never really went to unless you had business in Nain. No one ever went, it's kind of like Craigieburn. Um, <laughs> I can say that because I live in Craigieburn. <laughs> Which by the way, we're starting an amazing life group out in Craigieburn. If you happen to want to be there, a couple of weeks time on a Wednesday night, Kath and I are running it in our home. So you're more than welcome to register at Next Steps. That's a shameless plug for my life group. Sorry, other life group leaders. I'm sure you all run great life groups as well, but I have the microphone. <laughs> but they were heading to Nain. Nain was not, you wouldn't see Nain on, you know that postcard show that they have on TV? They're not gonna do an expose on Nain. There was nothing about Nain really that would draw travellers to Nain except unless they had business there. And, and Nain in itself, surprisingly, the name means that it's beautiful. It, it's uh, I think the exact word is, is like a beautiful location or somewhere like that. But when you looked around Nain, Nain was in a, like a mountainous type region. It was barren. There was lots of rocks everywhere. 
There was all that sort of thing going on, yet it was called as a place of beauty. The only reason that they gave it that name is uh, name because when you were in Nain and you looked down, you had these amazingly breathtaking views of the valley below. So they called it Nain. So Jesus is heading up there and as He's going up to this place, ironically, this place that's known as a beautiful place, the first thing Jesus encounters in this place of beauty is death and sorrow. Walking towards Him is another procession. And this procession is led by a widow with her dead son. And the village is coming down the hill and Jesus is coming up the hill. And these two processions are about to collide with each other as that they're there. And he sees, and a mum's on her way to go and bury her son. We don't know too much about these people. We don't know too much about the mother or the son. The Bible does say that he was a young man, which says in, in Bible terms, he was probably like in his late teens or early 20s. And, and he died. We don't know how he died, but his mum was there and she was burying him. The Bible says that she was a widow, which means that she was accustomed to this sort of thing before means that once she had a husband, but he died. So she's walked a funeral road before. So here she is now, she's already buried her husband, and now she is burying her only son. And she's there with this procession as they're coming down from the gates, and they're there to go and, and bury her son. Try and put yourselves in her shoes. This was her only son. This was the son that she raised. This was the son that, that when he fell over, she put Band-Aids on his knee. This was the son that she took for his first grade of school, first day of school, and she had to stand there at the gate as he wandered off into the school. This was that son, the one that she had arranged all those birthday parties for as he was growing up. This was that son. This was the son that she loved so much. And now he was dead. She, the only thing that she got to look forward to in her life now, you know, she, she's got to get used to now not only sleeping in an empty bed, but now she's got to get used to coming home every day to an empty house. There was going to be no more prospect of weddings, no grandchildren. There was nothing like that on her horizon. In fact, in Bible times, we know this of widows, that they had a very hard life. That if there was no husband, if there was no son, if there was no one there to care for her, she basically had to rely on the kindness of strangers to be able to get through anything. So her life right now, whereas before she had a husband, whereas before she had a son, she had a future, she had everything else going for her, now she has nothing. She has an empty home and no future. Life for her looked pretty bleak. Life for her looked pretty hopeless, that there was nothing for her to actually get her out of bed in the morning and go, wow, today's going to be a great day. She was facing a situation that was so much bigger than what she was. Circumstances around her were so overwhelming. And some of you today, you can, you can identify with that, but for most of us in this room, I would say maybe we, not have, we haven't experienced the, to the degree of grief that she's experienced. Maybe some of us have. Maybe we haven't lost a husband or a son or, or close family members like she had. But we've all faced something that's bigger than what we are. We've all been in a situation where there's a set of circumstances against us and we feel like we're so totally overwhelmed that we just don't know how to get out of bed in the morning. We've all faced something like that. We've all had faced the prospects of, of feeling helpless. I, I remember when our kids, uh, when one of them was in hospital, you feel so helpless as a parent while your child is in hospital because all you wanna do is make them better. 
All you want to do is help them so that they're not sick or hurting, but you have no power in yourself to actually make that child better. That's how this woman would have felt every morning, getting up, feeling helpless, alone. Sometimes it's things that we face that are financial. Sometimes it's things that we face that are are relational. Sometimes we can feel helpless even within our own marriage. Sometimes it's occupational. Sometimes you're trying to bust through in a career and you just feel like all the doors are closing around you and all you want is that break. All you want is that business deal. All you want is that thing just to be able to move you forward, but nothing seems to open up for you. And it just feels like everything's out of my hand. I just feel like I'm being dragged along in the current. You know, but I have some really, really good news for you. Despite what's happening in your life, despite what was happening in this widow's life, Walking up the road to meet her was her miracle. Walking up the road to meet her was Jesus, the Son of God, who has all power, all authority. She wasn't gonna be left alone, but walking up the road towards her was her miracle. But the only problem was that she didn't really identify it or see it because her eyes were so full of tears. She couldn't see what was going on and what was happening there. It's no accident that Jesus arrived right when He did. He had business in name. He had, a, he had a meeting that he had to attend in Nain. He had an appointment set up for him in Nain by Almighty God to go and meet this widow right at the lowest moment of her worst day. There was Jesus gonna turn up right at that, right, right at that very moment when she needed him the most, he was gonna be there. That should give you and I such great hope that those moments where we walk through where we feel like that we're alone, those moments that we walk through where we feel like, God, does anyone even care? Right then in the lowest moment of our worst day, Jesus is right there. I don't know, does that fill you with hope? It fills me with hope to know that God is there who cares, who loves. And not only just does he, is He there like some spectator watching the, the turmoil that we go through, the Bible says that He was filled with compassion when He saw what was going on. In other words, we serve a God who's not so removed from our situation that it doesn't motivate Him to go and do something. When God looks at your life, it's not like He sits aloof up in some throne somewhere, millions of miles away up in heaven, looking down, just thinking, oh, well, they're just going on with their life. He looks and He sees at the worst possible moment of your life, He's just not sitting there going, oh, not saying anything, not doing anything. But the Bible says that He's full of compassion for us. That's so good. That is so good. That's our God that they're talking about. And Jesus has a message for this widow. And it's the same message that Jesus has for you and I today, regardless of what circumstances we find ourselves in. And His message is really simple. It's just two words. And He says to this widow, don't cry. What a hope-filled message to say to somebody at a funeral. Don't cry. But hang on, Pastor Joseph, I thought today we were going to talk about praise. What does a widow that lived 2,000 years ago at a funeral have anything whatsoever to do with praise? Hang with me just one tick. Put yourself in the widow's shoes. Here she was at the lowest moment of her worst day. All of a sudden, her funeral for her only son gets interrupted by a stranger. There's this guy coming out with his whole entourage of people And all of a sudden, the funeral for her son is, it's like it comes to a halt. And then he comes up to her, this stranger comes up to her at her own son's funeral and has the audacity to say to her, lady, don't cry, don't cry. And she would look at him and go, what do you mean don't cry? My son is lying dead just there. I have every reason to be crying. 
you're, you're, you're saying to me to do something that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You're telling me to not cry. I'm perfectly within my rights. I'm, I'm operating under a natural human response that at a funeral, you're allowed to cry. Why can't I cry? It's not like Jesus had done anything amazing at this point. He hadn't raised the kid to life. He hadn't given her any reason whatsoever to not cry. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't done anything other than the words, don't cry. This woman would have been standing there. Are you serious? Telling me not to cry at my own son's funeral. He was asking her to do something that was totally out of place. He was asking her to do something that made no sense whatsoever. He was asking her to look beyond her circumstances. He was asking her to don't just get boxed into what's happening. He was asking her to wipe the tears away from her eyes and look up. Because maybe, just maybe, just maybe, God was about to do something for her. In other words, what he's saying to her is don't cry because God's not done yet. You might think that death is the end, but death isn't the end. It might think that just because your son is lying there dead on that coffin, that that's it for you. Your dreams and everything are all said and done. But Jesus is saying to her by saying the words, don't cry, he's saying, hey, I'm not done yet. There's still room. There's still hope. There's still time to be able to do something, even if you think it's impossible. What's impossible for man is possible for God. Amen? Amen. Come on, you can clap. You can do something. This is what praise is. This is called praise. Despite our circumstances, despite what we're facing, despite how bleak and how overwhelming the circumstances of our life are, to be able to look beyond those to a God who not only loves us, who has all power, all authority, to be able to come and act on your behalf in your situation. Now I'm reminded of a story in the Bible, the, the, the story of Job. The guy lost everything all in one day. He lost his possessions, he lost his business, he lost his children, he didn't lose his nagging wife, but he lost everything else in that one day. And yet the Bible records is at the end of that day, when he had totally every reason whatsoever to go and get angry at God and, and to say, how could you let this happen to me because all I've ever done is serve you. When he had every reason to go and do that, the Bible says that he sat down, he looked up to heaven and he prayed this prayer. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will return. Blessed be the name of our Lord. Blessed. He was saying, praise God. How can you do that in a time like that? It's because praise that God has given to us is a weapon that we're meant to use to be able to change atmospheres that God has given us not to get bogged into circumstances and be overwhelmed by what's taking place in our lives. It's a weapon that God has uses, us, uses for us. It reminds us that it doesn't matter how hopeless the situation is, God's not, it's not over until God says it's over. What Jesus is trying to say to this lady is, lady, it may look hopeless right now, but it's not done for you yet. The fat lady hasn't sung. What a horrible saying that is. <laughs> but it's not over. God's not done yet, lady. It may seem hopeless, but God's not done yet. So she has a choice right then and there. Does she keep looking at her circumstances? Does she keep looking at what's happening to her, around her, in her? Or does she put her eyes somewhere else? Does she put her eyes to God and say, God, I don't understand why these things are happening, 
but God, You are awesome. Like we sang before, God, You are an awesome God. God, You are good. God, You are so good in my life. God, You are so good in my situation. Even if I don't see it, even if I'm not experiencing it, it doesn't change the fact that You are good. This is what praise is. God, You are so good. Let me read some Scriptures out to you. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18 says this. Rejoice always. Wow, that's a hard one. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. If you wanna know what the will of God is for your life, it's in everything, give thanks. It's to rejoice always. It's to use the weapons that He's given you in every situation that you would face. The Amplified Bible says it this way, in every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. It may seem hopeless, it might not seem to align up to your emotions, but you know what, if we live our life by what we feel, sometimes what we feel lies to us. We can feel a certain thing, but it's actually not the truth whatsoever. And if we choose to align ourselves to how we feel, what we can be doing is, is robbing ourselves from maybe a miracle that God wants to do inside of our lives. Our circumstances sometimes can lie to us because they're not the truth in any situation. Even though our situation may look bleak, it's not final. So let's not make a permanent decision on something that's actually just a temporary situation. Let's not do that. Don't settle for what we see. Don't settle for what the doctors are saying. Don't settle for maybe what it looks like on the outside. Don't settle for what you see in your marriage right now. Maybe there's something better that God has for you. Just don't look at the circumstances and try and judge everything based on that. Keep your eyes on God and let praise start to fill your mouth and say, God, I may not be seeing it today, but God, I thank You, You are still good. God, I may not be seeing it or experiencing it today, but God, You're still in control. God, You have all power, all authority to do all things on my behalf. God, I thank You for that. And I choose to focus on You, not the situation that I'm currently in. That's what praise is. That's what praise does. Praise opens the door to hope. And hope is what faith is built on. Praise opens the door up to hope. That's what faith is built on. That's why it's so important to praise. That's why it's so important to be able to keep our eyes on God, no matter what it is that we're facing. In Psalm 22, it says to us that God inhabits the praises of His people. Inhabits is another word for lives. God lives in the praises of His people. Which, which is very good and it, and it helps us. But from a practical sense, what that means is that when you praise, what you're doing is you're creating a space in which God Himself can come and dwell. So your words are powerful. Your words are creative. And we have the, we have the power, the Bible says, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. In other words, you have the ability in your mouth with your words to create life. And you have the ability in your mouth with your words to create death. When we start to speak out words of life, when we start to speak out words of praise, what we're actually doing is there's this, imagine like this bubble around you and, that, and, and it's like an empty bubble, but with your words, as you start declaring the goodness of God, God's there and going, wow, 
they really want me around. Wow, they're honouring me. Wow, they're, they're worshipping me. Wow, they're praising me. So He decides to come and inhabit those praises that are coming outside of your mouth. So as you walk into a situation, it's not you walking in there all by yourself, but all of a sudden it's you and the Creator of the universe walking into that situation with you. Now there's nothing that's too difficult or nothing that's too hard because you and God make a majority in every situation. As you step into this situation, it's not in your own strength that you're actually operating out of. It's the strength of God that's flowing through you because you've made space for God with the words of your mouth. And the same is true using it in the negative sense. When you start to speak out negative words, and sometimes a negative word can be simple. It can be just be a complaint. It can, it can be something that, that is just saying what's actually happening but there's no faith attached to it whatsoever. Yeah, my day was terrible today. Sometimes when we start to speak out words like that, what happens, we also create a bubble around about our life, but God can't come and dwell in those words. Now all of a sudden when we face a difficulty, we're facing it by ourselves, in our own strength, in our own power. But instead of operating it from a place of strength, because the Bible tells me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So in other words, as I start to speak out praise, I'm actually inviting strength to come and be a part of my life, to help me through difficult situations every time that I face them. For me, it's like, uh, I, I was given a wake-up call with this last year. And I started the year thinking 2018 was gonna be an amazing year for me. I, I, there was things that we had planned and things that we had talked about and things that were in place. And 2018 was going to be the year. And so my journal at the start of the year was like, wow, God, I'm so excited about this year. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Fantastic. But then some things happened as we got into the year and discouragement got into my heart. So much so that I started speaking out words of negativity. And as I was speaking out those words of negativity, those words were creating this thing around about my life where I got halfway through the year and I just kind of felt like I don't even really want to come to church anymore on Sunday. I don't even really want to be here. God, I just don't feel your presence anymore. I just don't, I just don't, I just don't really want to be here anymore, God. And I got to that point, but I had done it to myself through the words that I had been speaking. It wasn't like I was going around gossiping to anybody or doing it. These are words I would just speak out loud to myself. And I would repeat out loud and think these things over and over. And it's just like, I wasn't giving God any praise for anything. About halfway through the year, I noticed with my eyes that, that I was finding it a little bit more difficult to read. And I thought maybe it was just my prescription. With, so I went to the optometrist to, to get my prescription checked and everything. And, and he was a bit concerned by a couple of things. So he did some tests. And from the results of the tests, he came back and he said, listen, uh, you have glaucoma. So... What that means, I had no idea what that was. I knew my mother had it, but I had no idea what that meant. And he said, what that basically means is that you are on the road to losing your eyesight. He said, based on the tests that we've done, I would give you 10 years and then you'll be blind. So that came as a bit of a shock. We did some more tests and he came back. Actually, I had the 10 years wrong. It's actually four years. And so then I was faced with a situation now I'm crying out to God going, uh, you know, if I had been building all year and building praise into my life, when I'd face something like that, it would be, okay, God, this is just the next thing. We're just going to deal with this. God, you helped me with cancer. 
God, I got through cancer. God, I've been a pastor for 26 years. Surely I know some things. God, I, I should have been able to operate, but because I had been creating this space around me, I hadn't given God anything to work with. And so now I'm there in this thing and all I could do was just start to think about myself. All I could do is because that's all that was in that space. And so I'm relying on myself and I'm just thinking about how bad it would be and I'm thinking about maybe I'm never even gonna get to see my, my daughter on her wedding day. Maybe I'm never gonna be able to see the faces of my grandchildren as I hold them in my hands. Maybe I'm never gonna be able to see all of those things. And I started getting grumpy with God and, and angry and everything else. And it's like, God, it's just, it's not fair, God, and everything else. And, and God in His compassion, He sees us in our worst moments of our worst day, the lowest times of our lives. He sees us and He doesn't sit off afar. Instead, what He does is He looks down and His heart is full of compassion. And Jesus had to come along to my life as I was carrying this dead dream down the road and Jesus had to come along to my life and say these words to me. He says, Joseph, don't cry. In other words, Joseph, God's not done yet. In other words, Joseph, don't focus on the situation. Don't focus on what's happening. Joseph, start to pray, start to do something that seems totally contradictory to your circumstance, Joseph. Start to be able to draw the presence of God in around about so as God is saying those words to me, I started to put that into practice. I started to be able to, when I woke up in the morning, as I'm driving in the car by myself, as, as I'm there, any opportunity I had, I would just start to tell God how awesome He was. Even though at the time it didn't feel like God was so awesome. I started to tell God how amazing He was. Even though at the time there's these things hanging over my head. God, You are awesome. God, you are, God, you hold my life in your hand. God, you, you just, Lord, you're so amazing. God, you're so gracious, you're so loving. God, you've never let me down. God, you've always provided for me. God, you've always been there for me. This is no different to any of those other times, Lord God. And I started to speak those words out so I could hear them with my ears. And as I started to declare that out into the atmosphere, what I was actually doing was creating a space that God could now come and inhabit. And God Himself, the Creator of the universe, could come and stand and walk with me through my hard times. God could come and walk with me through my difficulties and through the situations where I felt so small in those things. And I've come to the place, it's like whether God ever heals me or not, it's not even the issue as far as I'm concerned. That's in His hands. I'm trusting Him with that. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what goes on in my life, it doesn't change the fact that He's with me. It doesn't change the fact that He loves me. It doesn't change the fact that His grace still abounds to me. It doesn't change the fact that it doesn't matter what I walk through, that He's strong on my behalf when I feel weak. It doesn't matter any of those things that He's always gonna be there because he's, he's not a man, the Bible says, that He should lie, but He's true to the promises in His Word. This is the God that you and I serve. So even if I die and even if I go to heaven and I go to heaven blind, the first face that I'll see as I open my eyes is gonna be the face of Jesus. What better day than that, hey? So I just rejoice in what God is doing. It's praise, it's praise. This is the power of praise in our lives where we take our eyes off what's happening around about us and put them on God. You know, the amazing thing about this is that you don't need a Bible college degree to actually put this into action. 
You don't need to have studied scriptures for 50 billion years to be able to put this into play. You can actually just start by saying words like, God, thank you for what you've done for me. God, thank you that for who you are. God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your forgiveness. God, thank you that, that, that you are there for me. God, thank you that you are all powerful, that you're awesome, that you're amazing. You just start saying words like that and you say them over and over again. God says, going, wow, why wouldn't I wanna hang out with you? Why wouldn't I wanna be there with you? Because all you do is tell me how amazing and how good I am. Why wouldn't I wanna come and pour things out over your life? Because you're just such a blessing to my life. It's like, these are just things that we start to praise. This is the power of praise in our life. When it comes to our marriages, rather than telling everybody how bad our marriage is, why don't you tell your marriage how good God is? Those of you who are looking for work, rather than telling everybody how bad the job market is, why don't you tell the job market how good your God is? Those of you who run businesses and you're trying to build a business, rather than telling you how bad the economy is or anything else, start telling the economy just how good God is and start to be able to build praise in around about your life so that God can have His way in every circumstance, in every situation in your life. There's so much more we could say about praise. Praise is so amazing, it confuses the enemy. It's something Jesus did before He went to the cross. Praise breaks chains. But we're really only just scratching the surface of what praise can do. It's a weapon that God has given to you to help you so that you don't have to be a doormat for the devil. It's a weapon that God has given to you to be able to push back the works of darkness, to be able to push back whatever's happening in your life. That's the weapon that God has given to you to be able to use. But I wanna give you just one more thought and then I'm gonna be done. Maybe today you identify with the widow. Maybe right now you're, in, you're feeling like you're in a barren place. You're in Nain, you're in that barren place and you're on your way to go and bury a dream. You used to have hope for the future, but now that dream's dead. Maybe for you that dream represented a happy marriage. Maybe it represented a different sort of career or, or job, ministry. Maybe that, that, that dream represented having children. Maybe that dream represented just something different happening in your life and you feel like that thing has come to an end and it's dead and it's just lying there lifeless. And you're in this funeral procession. Maybe for some, it's the dream of actually being free of an addiction and walking in victory. Maybe you just can't even see that on the horizon. Jesus is there and He walks up to you today and He wipes those tears from your eyes and He says to you, don't cry. In other words, rejoice, give thanks, praise, make space for God. And like He did with the widow, He has the power to bring back to life that which was dead. This is what He says in verse 15. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Praise can reunite you with a dream that you thought was dead. Praise can reunite you with a dream that you thought was dead. That's the power of praise that God has actually given to our lives because God's not done yet, church. God's not done. Do you believe that? God's not done. Hi, I'm Richard Kabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. 
Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.